Ed, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. Why not? We we can discuss everything. I can't <laughs> even say the word discuss, let alone actually discuss everything. Well, should we start by discussing uh, United's trip to the South Coast and uh, very slow Saturday lunchtime start, followed by a, a much, much, much better ending? Mm, it was a disgusting first half, wasn't it? <laughs> it was indeed. And a delightful, that doesn't work, but it, it was a delightful second half. I think that... Second half is the best half of football we've played for an unspecified quite long period of time. Yeah, I think it's probably probably fair. I mean, if if the second half was good, the first half was awful, wasn't it? It's just they could barely string two passes together. Bournemouth looked like the side uh, that was in form, which of course was true coming mm-hmm. into the game. Uh, three points ahead of United, and uh, they were passing around neatly, looked really confident, creating chances. David De Gea had to make a couple of good saves, one really good one with his feet. Uh, I, I think probably Bournemouth went in at halftime feeling very unlucky that they weren't winning that game, but they, they weren't, you know. But they what did they take the, the lead in something like the ninth minute? And at that point, and for much of, I'd say, about the first half hour of the game, it looked like they were going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, that the goal was anything but a surprise, wasn't it? I mean, they'd already sliced United's defence apart twice by that point. There was uh, the chance that went just wide of the post, I think, from Wilson, um, and the one that De Gea saved at the near post from Stanislas, maybe. But anyway, um, that they, they were both excellent chances. And then... Um, and then the goal, which was uh, United pushing out from a corner and just getting it all wrong and not being able to react when the ball went back to Bournemouth. Yeah. I mean, I guess Matter was closest to the runner. I mean, it was, it was a beautiful pass cutting out two United players, uh, Mata, um, who who I guess should have been picking up Stanislas on the... Uh, left-hand side of United's defence, so that Pogba, Pogba was the other nearest player. Neither of them uh, managed to you know, pick up the runner, and then nobody managed to pick up about four Bournemouth players who could have put it in. I mean, it was Wilson in the end, but they were all lined up there. Uh, United central defender sleeping, not for the first time this season, and I'm quite sure it won't be the last either. It was just too easy. Too, and, and Mourinho went bonkers in the in the dugout. And I wasn't really surprised. He uh, he looked to me like he was shouting, of course, of course, of course, which um, is how we all felt, I think, pretty much. Um, the, uh, the television coverage, for those of you who didn't see that and were at the game, the television coverage did something that's happening increasingly at the moment, which is United concede a goal and then it cuts to Chris Morling's frustrated face, um, which is a sort of symbol for our defending, really. Um he was probably the one who who let his runner go the furthest away from him inside the box, and you know, like Juan Mata is not a left back, is he? So it's probably understandable that he didn't do his left back duties that well. Um, but yeah, but, I'm not even convinced it was him that was supposed to push out towards the ball. I mean, just happened to be closest. Yeah, and then, and and like I said, that wasn't. That was the third of three instances where United's defence was sliced properly wide open. And it is absolutely bizarre to me that after two and a half years of Jose Mourinho management, United's defensive structure and defensive togetherness is just so utterly shambolic. Like, that is just bizarre. Well, I mean, a lot of the problem is rapid rapidly becoming a, an agenda, isn't it, is Matic. I mean, obviously, obviously not for the goal that United conceded against Bournemouth, but for the amount of chances United concede, he's just not providing a screen. Fred wasn't either. I'm struggling to see what the point of Fred is. Um, halfway through his first season at United, I mean, it can only get better, I guess. Uh, but it, it's it's just too easy to get at United at the moment. So, you know, you've got uh, the opposition generally creating far too many chances. Uh, we talked about last season when De Gea concede, uh, had to make a lot of saves because United conceded a lot of shots. Um, now the the errors are coming even deeper, but I think it's, a lot of it's because United are under too much pressure and Matic doesn't provide a, an effective uh, screen in front. I mean, obviously Jose changed uh, the tactics in the second half and basically had two screens 
Um, but it's, it feels like a priority signing at some point. I, I don't suppose he'll make the signing uh, in January. It looks like the, the rumours are that uh, Jose is after a second striker or a backup striker. He's, he's only got the three others that can play up there, of course, <laughs> or four others. Um, so, um, but but it's, a, it's a real problem for United. I'd make that a priority. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially over the laughable idea that what United need is another centre-forward, because I think once again today showed that that is uh, far, far, far from the truth. Um, So the Fred thing, I mean, I think what Fred is for is energy and moving the ball around quite quickly and pretty neatly a lot of the time. I mean, I, I don't think... He settled at United yet, and who can blame him? Because um, has he played three games in a row yet? I don't think I'm that not he sure. has. Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly. The, sorry, the, no, no, no. I mean, I was just going to say. I mean, he he's back in the team. Uh, he he hasn't often been in the team, has he? Uh, Jose likes to make these changes. Sometimes it's hard to spot what it is. Lukaku wasn't in the team today. This time injured, apparently. Hello. I don't believe anything Jose says says ever. Um, so who knows? Uh, if he's getting a rest, great. I mean, we talked about that at length last week. Sanchez was back in the team. I mean, he's he's taken a punishment beating or two this season, hasn't he? Uh, Marcus was dropped. I mean, he he got taken off after what sixty five minutes last week. His one shot at playing centre forward, and he was dropped after that. So um, I, I, you know, it, like sometimes it feels like. Uh, a lot of these players can't get a rhythm because they're in and out of the side and, and two years in, more than two years in. And uh, Jose definitely doesn't know his best team. Uh, and he's, try- he's trying combinations. I-, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if Matic isn't the next one to get dropped. And after yeah. Herrera's performance in the second half, you know, there's an option there, isn't there? I did the full-time Devils preview um, before this game and, and said on their... Because, you know, we always predict the starting eleven, And um, I said, I'm sure Matic will play, although uh, Jose does get about five games after you think this is untenable. He's surely got to drop him now. He does eventually drop him. He's done it with Lukaku. He's done it with Sanchez. And I'm sh- I'm sure you're right. And Matic will get the treatment. And he deserves it too, because... You know, I mean, criticise Mourinho for moving the team around too much and chopping and changing too much, but he does have to... He, he has been, like, very, very slow to react to his favourites dropping form, hasn't he? Um, yeah, and, and Matic was the one he really pushed for as well, so there's, uh, I guess, there's some ego at play here as well. Interesting. Um, so the, uh, the sort of disaster of the first half, I mean... Uh, one of the things that happened, of course, is that Bournemouth were very good, um, very neat and tidy on the ball, very good at exploiting United's weaknesses. Uh, you can see why they're as high up the table as they are. Um, and they also managed to stay relatively defensively resolute for quite a lot of that. But we yeah. got the the somewhat lucky break, although we did look reasonably bright a couple of times on the, on the counter-attack. There was the... Um, the Fred chance um, after about half an hour uh, around the penalty spot um, from the Anthony Martial ball, um, and and you know so so it wasn't like we were completely devoid of chances. We'd we'd had a couple of of moments of getting the ball into the box while Mata had a shot as well, um, but then uh, Tony Marshall came from France and Alexis Sanchez came from Chile and set him up with a lovely ball. Yeah, it was a lovely, a really nice cutback. Uh, and this time, Martial, uh, apparently he does score goals that aren't bent into the bottom corner. This <laughs> one was with his left foot side-footed in. Uh, you know, very, very composed finish. And he's looking confident. I, th- I thought he had a good game all around, apart from the goal. You know, he was uh, trying to get at, uh, especially the second half. I mean, I, I guess no one really comes out of that first half with too much credit. But especially the second half, he, he really had a go at Francis at, um, down the left-hand side of Bournemouth's defence, and and he's just looking super super confident again. Um, like to that point, though, United definitely didn't deserve an equaliser. N- you know, not even close. But uh, ni- nice one it was too. What did you make of the decision to start a front three of Mata, Sanchez, and Martial in this game? 
Well, I think Mata is deserving of his place at the moment. You know, yeah. ever since he came on against Newcastle, he, I think he's been pretty good. I mean, no one really was very good against Juve, I suppose. Sanchez, well, that was the interesting one, isn't it? So if the theory is that Jose likes a big man up front who can hold the ball up, which seems to be the theory, Sanchez is not that. I mean, he was pretty bright, I thought, throughout this game until, until he got yanked off. Um, in the second half, but um, you know, he is probably one of his better games f- f- for a while. Um, but but that, he's not a Lukaku replacement. Uh, Tony Martial might be a more interesting Lukaku replacement, but I think Jose's decided that he's never going to play him up front. I'm not not sure he's played him up front more than a handful of times in two and a half years. Um, and and Rashford is clearly not what he wants up there because he didn't get much more than an hour last week. So um, trying another one, we'll see. Hey, if Lukaku is out for Wednesday, does he play Sanchez there again? He probably does. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's he's the kind of player who's going to cause uh, Benucci and Co a real problem. But there you go. I mean, it was it was. Uh, I, I can feel sorry for Rashford. I'm rambling a bit, but uh, I think I said this last week as, as well. I feel like he deserves a run of games, you know, and uh, he's 21 today. Um, he's had two and a half years under Jose and it doesn't feel like he's made much progress. And I don't know how he can if he's never in the team. Sanchez had two shots, two key passes. We'll come back to the Rashford thing in a bit. Um not brilliant numbers by any stretch of the imagination, that that very telling contribution for the goal. But, you know, I, I think what's clear at the moment is that, is that it's probably fair to say that Sanchez's best position in United's side at the moment will be to be playing up front through the middle. But it, that doesn't mean it's United's best option in, in the assumption that Lukaku's out of form or injured. Because Anthony Martial... I mean, maybe you could say, well, this is partly because Martial hasn't been playing there. So, you know how players get um, a bigger reputation when they're injured or whatever. This is, could be a bit like that. But to me, Anthony Martial is so far and ahead the obvious choice to play centre-forward and could have played Sanchez on the left. Even when Rashford came on, you could have played Rashford on the left and put Martial through the middle. Um, and, it, and it was like basically from the penalty spot that Martial scored. It was He was right in the kind of centre-forward position at that point. We well... Know, in in this kind of when he's confident, uh, when if he's playing in a more central position, he's going to score a lot of goals. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I guess Jose likes the fact that he'll run with the ball down the left hand side if, he, if he's in this uh, kind of form and can cut in and shoot from that <laughs> left hand side. Can I mean, he? Can you know, he sort of curl the ball in the far corner? Is that what I've, you're saying? I've heard. I've heard he likes that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I mean. I suppose you could say United have a lot of options, although (laughs) Jose manages to narrow it down by insisting that basically three players go into one on the left-hand side. Yeah, well, we couldn't say that, but of course in the last two games, Rashford played centre-forward and then Alexis Sanchez played centre-forward. So maybe in the last two games, Mourinho has gone a different direction. Rashford came on, of course, and uh, made a telling contribution at the end of a second half where it's very fair to say that United... Absolutely, without question, deserve the victory. I mean, if you look at the data, 2.98 XG for United, which uh, is the highest XG they've generated uh, all season. I looked it up. Um, Oh, only in the league. I didn't look up the Champions League, but I'm going to say this is more than we generated against young boys um, in in that game. Uh, Pogba really, 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 really should have scored. And that one that sort of bobbled around, Marcus Rashford had the shot that was blocked. Um, and then Pogba had the shot that kind of almost went over the line, but didn't. They both should have scored. Yeah. Clearly, only one of them could have scored, but yeah. both of them should have scored. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so they, they were big chances. There was the Luke Shaw chance um, from the angle. Uh, where I think he had better options than shooting, to be honest. Uh, it was maybe a little rush of blood to the heady uh, from Shaw, though I guess you can't really complain about someone shooting from seven yards out, can you? No, I mean, if that's a forward, they score from there. P- 0.34 XG on that yeah. one. So, so um, uh, 0.67 and 0.59 on the Pogba and Rashford chances. 
Yeah. So they should have scored, you know, two out of three times in Pogba's yeah. case. Um, and then, uh, and then it, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. And it looked like a sort of draw, which was a kind of fair result on the, if you kind of say, well, Bournemouth won the first half and United won the second half. But um, that's not the way it ended because uh, young Wash in the end did his thing. It was lovely to see Jesse Lingard back on the pitch and uh, Lingard just improves Rashford so much, I think. They play... They play so, so, so well together. There was just mm. one one little layoff between the two of them that just looked telepathic. And, and you can see that Rashford feels more comfortable when Lingard's around too. Um, and and it, made, it did make a big difference. And, and United just pushed so hard at that point and, um, and definitely deserved a goal. Yeah, for the second half, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and and the it, look, the devil is in the details. I guess Bournemouth didn't get their goal when they were really on top in that first half. You could say they were unlucky not to win that half by a goal. Yeah, uh, and United deserved to win the second half by a goal. So, yeah, um, in the details, I, you know, it's going to feel better than it really was as a performance because. Uh, United were great in the second half, but that first half was abysmal. Uh, and like many first halves recently, Everton, Everton, I guess, wasn't abysmal in the first half, but a lot recently have been. Uh, I, I guess it's just, you know, random. Jose said after the game that uh, he told them at half time that uh, he, he was going to be positive uh, because that was the worst they could play, so it could only get better from there. <laughs> It's like he didn't watch West Ham away. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hmm. I, but that's the thing. You know, I don't want to sound all glass half empty. But that performance in the first half against a better team than Bournemouth, and they're a good team, United could have been heavily down. I mean, if United are like that at City next weekend, the game's lost at half time, isn't it? Uh, well, no, we'll be 2 0 down at half time and win 3 2, if, yeah. if history is any indicator. Um, talking of things that Jose said, which I guess we should, in a way, I feel like a moratorium on discussing things that Jose Mourinho said would do well for all of our emotional well-being. But this is a Man United podcast and he is the Man United manager. So I suppose we have to pay it some attention. Apparently it's because we had a tough fixture list that things are rough at the moment. Yeah, I'm struggling with that one. Who have we played that's so tough? Um, we played Spurs at home. That was difficult. Um, we lost 3-0. We certainly made it look difficult. Uh, Leicester at home, Brighton away, Spurs at home, Burnley, Watford, Wolves, Derby, West Ham, a terrible Valencia, Newcastle, who haven't won a game all season. Uh, and then like Chelsea away. I- I'll give him, I'll give him that we've had two difficult fixtures this season. A tough Champions League group as well, Ed, apparently. Apparently, this is uh, uh, an abysmal Valencia side. And of course, it's a Good, very good Juve side, of course, but uh, yes. you would expect to get a very good side in the group, wouldn't you? Especially since United are not seeded, having not done very well in Champions League in recent seasons. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's obviously talking nonsense. Um, Maybe he's talking I, I about. You could have Spurs' fixture list. They're playing four times in nine days at the moment. Uh, then again, it is partly their fault because they haven't got a stadium that will actually work maybe he's confused and he's like he's thinking about wow well, yeah we played liverpool we played bayern munich these are big teams and he's thinking about pre-season yeah anyway uh, what else to say about the bournemouth game it, it's uh it's three points up to seventh <laughs> yeah i said yeah i said i mean it, it is an important three points because it is not inconceivable that United will uh, get fourth place in the league, I suppose. Um, But it all feels like we're in a holding pattern now until Mourinho goes. And whether that's sort of, whether there's some, you know, whether there's some courage in in the boardroom and that happens sooner rather than later, or whether they sort of um, acquiesce to... uh, improved results such as being able to beat the mighty cherries with all their hundreds of millions of pounds of backing um yeah well, well look we'll see uh it's it, 11 games into the season united are two points off the champions league places so it's not a total disaster six, is it? six points off the top to be honest i mean i know most of the teams haven't played yet <laughs> that are above us but still 
<laughs> yeah, it's the comeback. The comeback is on. <laughs> so, so, look, it's definitely not inconceivable. Uh, Spurs, um, Spurs. It was actually, it was actually one of their best ever starts to the Premier League. Although I think that's more testament to. Uh, how poorly they have tended to start. Oh, oh, this all right, Ed. Oh, I tell you, I heard that United rant the other day. I got the raving ump with him for what he said. I got the raving needle. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. For those of you who have somehow missed this story, uh, Gary Neville uh, had a rant, that's the only way to describe it, about Spurs' historic um, spinelessness, patheticness, um, just basically saying that every Spurs team before Pochettino should all be lined up against the wall and shot for being an embarrassment to football, is what he more or less said. And then uh, Harry Redknapp was asked about this and sort of said, oh, well, players like Luke uh, Modric and Gareth Bale, you can't be saying that sort of thing about them. We had an excellent side, we did. And then um, he was asked by the interviewers, have you got a message for Gary Neville? And he said, oh, I wouldn't want to talk to him, to be honest. I've got a raving ump. And he was getting really angry and angry. I've got a raving ump with him. Oh, I tell you, I've got a raving needle with him. The raving needle. I don't, I don't know, but it sounds scary. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so now he's got the raving needle with you for slagging Tottenham off as well. Apparently Pochettino is unhappy. I mean, we, we mentioned last week he's been saying things like, uh, it's the worst part of his time at Tottenham. Uh, they obviously haven't got any money. Lots of questions about the stadium, uh, questions about players staying and uh, whether they're going to have to sell to finance, exactly how much debt will they have after this is all completed. So uh, be interesting as uh, Eddie Howe goes to Spurs in the summer and uh, Poch comes to United. Yeah, it's, it's not impossible, is it? It's definitely not impossible. Um and and the the you know recording on a Saturday afternoon means that you sort of don't really know what's happened with this weekend's fixtures in terms of shaping the league. But you know at the time of recording, City have conceded uh, fifteen fewer goals than us. <laughs> That's quite a lot for eleven games into our season, ten games into theirs. Um, Only one clean sheet this season in the league. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's not a lot of clean sheets. And again, again, I, I, you know, in recent weeks we've become increasingly critical of Jose Mourinho as the performances have degraded, degraded, degraded. I guess, um, and something, uh, something like that. And um, his off the pitch comments have got more and more and more narcissistic, and and um, like they're coming from a parallel universe where he's responsible for Anthony Martial's return to form. Idiot. Um, the, the So there's been more and more criticism of it, but obviously he has skills as a football manager. And one of his most impressive skills over the years has been to build these absolutely awesome defences and, and he just hasn't got close to doing it with the current crop at United. And maybe the tools are just not there or maybe his kind of enthusiasm for coach. I mean, he did say in, in fairness, something that seemed quite reasonable in his post-match in this game, which is he doesn't think that people watching this game would believe how hard United had worked during the week on um, on their kind of pressing and defensive defensive threat management, essentially. Yeah, but United, uh, last season, David Hare won the Golden Glove, right? So yeah. for having the most clean sheets, something has clearly gone wrong. It's basically the same players. In fact, it's an upgrade because he has Luke Shaw this season. So uh, a lot of this is Mourinho's problem to fix. And I guess he's trying hard and he's not being able to do it. He's definitely got a problem with Matic, who has stepped backwards. It wasn't that good last season, to be honest, in the second half. And I I think, to be honest, I think everyone was blinded that he was any good to start with because he came in and made some nice passes and scored a goal goal against Crystal Palace or whatever. But um, So it's definitely a problem. Uh, But it feels like they could do better. For sure. I mean, Jose, it's his, it's his thing, isn't it? Yeah. And he said it's not just the defence, you know, it's the, the team structure as a whole. And, and that, that makes me kind of wonder whether we really will see Matic taking a, having a bit of a time on the bench because um, cause I, think, I, think I do think it's reached that point. And, and, you know, it's not true to say that Mourinho doesn't react to these things because he does. It just seems to 
to take a long time. Um, what do you put United's great improvement in the second half down to? What, what do you think were the things that really shifted and shaped the nature of this performance? Uh, well, I couldn't, there wasn't a massive change until Herrera came on and Herrera came on for Fred basically in the same uh, role, right? Uh, I don't think I'm misremembering that. No, there and was a double, it was the double substitution. Double. Rashford wasn't came it? on for uh, whom? Matter. Whom? Matter, matter. So more direct. United probably actually, that's probably true. United went a bit more direct as well. Um, and and Herrera provided an awful lot of energy. Uh, he he also actually, I mean, it's not like he just sat in front of the back four. He certainly provided a bit more security than Fred did. Uh, but he got forward. He had a couple of really good shots. One one cracking one with his left foot, where he sort of tried to cushion it into the far corner, uh, just missed. Um, so I you know I, I guess being more direct and more energy in central midfield. Um, I I couldn't tell you what's happening mentally with them to repeatedly have these dire performances in the first half and come out and be much better in the second. This wasn't quite Newcastle, was it? You know, this this wasn't desperation. No. Uh, and that this was just a better all-round performance. Same happened against Chelsea, of course, as well. You know, just a bit more yeah. impetus, uh, yeah. a bit more direct, getting ball into into the channels, playing um, some nicer football, being less passive. Maybe, maybe that's the, the most important thing, you know, when United are on the front foot uh, and not just playing on the break. In the first half, I think United had something like 45% possession or maybe a bit less. And they, when they play on the front foot, it just looks a much better team. One of the things I wanted to say about this game, which I'm glad I just remembered, is I had a great time watching this game. Uh, obviously, the first half was was frustrating in parts, um, although there was some comedy to it, given how terrible our defending is. Um, it is quite funny. Um, <coughs> but but generally speaking, I thought it was a cracking game of football with two teams, uh, by the end of the game, two teams who'd really, really had a good go at trying to win this football match. And, and you yeah. know, talk a lot about how... It isn't just about wanting United to win stuff. It is about wanting United to have some sort of identity, um, and uh, and the, the sort of the recent character that they've shown. I've I've really been pleased to see, and and we hammer Mourinho all the time, and maybe this is happening in spite of Mourinho, and certainly tactically, it sometimes feels like it is. But he's definitely getting some sort of tune out of them sometimes at the moment. Yeah. I don't know if I want to praise their character too much because I see the flip side of that coin, which was the first half, right? Just because they they, they perform better in the second half, is that about character? I, I, I don't know about that. I don't know. Well, um, is, but- is Mourinho getting a greater tune out of them? Maybe, but it's not consistent. Uh, absolutely not. You know? Oh, and no. That's, I- that's, that's, that's a huge, huge part of United's problem. Two and a half years in. No, I'm I'm not saying everything's brilliant or there aren't like serious problems. I'm just saying there are glimpses of I mean I I actually do think it I I I think it shows there is a problem in terms of character that they're not starting well, but I do think it shows some resilience and um some something in in the realm of like the character of the players and the team that they that they've kind of dug in over and over again recently. True, true, and and the goal came very very late, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it know, did. And United were pushing towards the end. Um, uh, word for some of the Bournemouth, Bournemouth performances. Nathan Aki, I thought, excellent. Yes, in, uh, Bournemouth central defence. Uh, they bought him for what? Just a little less than twenty million or something like that from Chelsea. Uh, he's worth double, triple that now, I guess. Uh, I mean, he's gonna if he's if he keeps progressing like this, he's gonna want to move on. He's certainly better than any of our central defenders, you'd say, on huh. current form. I bet. I bet you anything you like, though. If you put him in our central defence, he'd look like one of our central defenders at the moment. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe there's a great defender in Chris Smalling waiting to come out. Well, there is. I don't think that's a maybe. It's just the problem is when the great defender in Chris Smalling is there, there's an absolutely terrible defender waiting to come out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What have we got? Uh, Bournemouth, victory, uh, great. Uh, We've got something of a tougher away fixture in (laughs) midweek. 
I just wanted to say before we move on from the Bournemouth game, one last point. Uh, Ashley Young's free kick was well nice. Well nice. It would have been really lovely if that had gone in, hit the underside of the crossbar and very, very, very close to being a goal. Very. I, I, when's, when's the last time we scored a free kick? Seems uh, like it's been a while. Like three days ago? No, it was Newcastle Matter scored a peach. That's right. So not three days ago then. Not three days ago, but not ages ago either. All right. Juve, Wednesday. Oh, crikey. Injure in. <laughs> Listen, can we just preview the 1999 game against Juve yeah, yeah, and let's Turin? Do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. obviously we're up against it with the uh, with the away goals, but you know, if there's ever been a Man United side in history that can travel to Turin believing that they can get something out of this game, it's a team that's playing York and Cole up front with <laughs> Roy King captain in it. What do you reckon's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I'm I'm a bit worried because um, both Keane and Skulls are on a yellow, which... Uh, no, nah, they'll be all right. No <laughs> way. They're, they're going to be fine for the final. Um, have, have, we, have we played... I'm having a total blank on this one. Have we played Juve in the new stadium? Oh, uh, Because, of course, don't... that one in 99 was at Stadio degli Alpi. This is we... at the... Uh, the new Juve Stadium, or what, I think it's called Allianz Stadium these days. What year did they move into that? Mm, like maybe four or five years ago. Uh, we haven't played them in the last four or five years, I don't think. No. Not in a competitive game, anyway. Um, yeah, not not in a not in a competitive game. So I, I think we played them not long after '99, didn't we? We played them again in the 2000s in yeah in the Champions League. But well, there you go. Okay, it's a, it's compact. It's it's not a big. Yeah, you know, it's not like they. Uh, I mean, Italian football isn't that well supported anyway. And I guess they were building for what they thought uh, would be their uh, their crowd, uh, which is just over forty thousand. Because they all hated um, the Stadio Dalpi, didn't they? It was yeah, very it was out of town. It had a running track and. It pretty much the only useful thing was the, all the space around it for fighting. <laughs> Which I'm sure was taken up uh, in, in ample measure. But, but you know, it's one of my favourite grounds in history because, you know, because Roy Keane. Because Roy Keane, Do we have, yeah. to, we have to, I suppose we have to preview this actual game. We have to preview this actual game in which we are going to get battered. I, I mean, I thought we were going to get battered in the first game, and we we, we did of, get battered. We, we got battered one 0 didn't we? Yeah. Um. So, what kind of form are you in at the moment? Well, they won at the weekend. Well, last weekend beat Empoli. Uh, they're playing Cagliari on Sunday night, so we don't know. Maybe they'll get beaten for the first time this season. <laughs> Fingers <Maybe>. crossed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously they're in great form. Uh, have been last season. They're a really top quality side. Uh, and that's going to be United's problem. I mean, can you? Know, I think the bigger question is what what kind of United performance are we going to get? Can United do anything to get on the front foot? Because it was so passive against Juve in that first game. I mean, maybe they're just too good and we couldn't get the ball. Uh, but when United had a go in the second half, it looked better, didn't it? Yes, and I, and I don't understand uh, what merit there would be in going there and sort of trying to nick a 1-0 unless unless Mourinho really believes that's the only way he's ever going to get three points but I mean I think we've seen over and over and over again that I mean maybe there's a couple of exceptions to that in a, in a few games um, in his tenure at United but being on the front foot just suits us so much better because I you know there's no doubt that we've got the quality to cause Juventus problems um it's just that, you know, obviously they're going to cause us massive problems. But the thing is, even if we go there to spoil and properly park the bus, do we honestly believe that having been a- unable to achieve, you know, 45 minutes of defensive stability against Bournemouth, we're going to be able to do it for 90 minutes against um, a much better side in Juventus? No, no I don't believe that. Uh, I think we'll get battered if we do that. No, I mean... I do think it's right for United to get on the front foot on this one. This is, I think, this is the best chance. Yeah. So uh, we don't have the defensive tools in the box uh, to play, you know, to park the bus and go there and win one 0 I don't think. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. 
but every single United performance over the last year or so that has had any merit has been uh, when United try and give it a go, as in Chelsea uh, in the second half, as for the full 90 against Everton, as in the second half against Bournemouth here, and as as in the second half against Juve. Yeah. So do we think we're going to see a Mata Sanchez, uh, Martial front three again? Be interesting. I mean, uh, I would imagine Jose would give anything to have Lukaku back. Despite his poor form, uh, just having uh, the big man up there and playing the way that Jose does like to play, you know. Um, you, you, like no one in Marcel Rashford, uh, Mata uh, or Sanchez is going to hold the ball up. So it's going to be hard for um, uh, the the typical Jose away performance. It can play sort of zippy football on the break. Uh, but given, I imagine, the United are not going to have very much possession, will be pretty deep. Um, it's still going to be hard to do that, right? Very hard to break from deep positions. So I imagine he would do anything to have Lukaku in this game. And what's absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy about this line of thinking, which I completely agree with you that that has been the dominant line of thinking, is that Lukaku is not good at holding the ball up. This is, I mean, I know I said this last week, but it's so clearly true that uh, the, those strikers you talked about aren't much worse at holding the ball up than Lukaku. No, no, no. Um, so, you know, there we go. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure uh, Juve will be playing a full-strength side against us. They're sort of coasting through this group. A draw would be a perfectly good result for them. They might not have their um, foot on the pedal uh, in a dramatic fashion in this game because they are they are effectively through um, at this point. It would be a complete disaster for them uh, not to get through from here. Um, so... Maybe we've got that going for us. We do. You do see group stage games where big teams don't really perform, especially since it's decreasingly obvious that teams finishing top of their uh, Champions League groups, you know, that, that there's been lots and lots of tricky second round fixtures, haven't there, lately? Well, very true. Yeah. I, I, do, they, do they take the foot off the ass three games into the group, four games into the group? Uh, I don't know. Don't, I mean, I, I, they do they ever it. take the get foot off the gas, it seems? <laughs> Are they ever off the gas in Juventus now? Come on. Come on. That's That was for satire, just to be very clear. This is not a football league situation. I guess we should talk about football leagues, actually, um, talking of things that have happened in football. Mm. Um, but before we do that, how do you fancy taking some Twitter questions? Okay, let's take some questions. So uh, a friend of the show, Simon Stevens, says, who do you want to win the league off, Simon. <laughs> United. I want United to win the league. Anything else, I want the earth to fall into the sun. <laughs> what, you'd rather that the earth fell into the sun than, like, Bournemouth won the league? Well, yeah. But but really, there's only two choices. Uh, oh. You know, you know, the glorious, uh, racist, homophobic, Russian gangster-led Chelsea could... Uh... You know, racist, homophobic manager and, and Russian gangster owner could win the league. Yeah, he's in the White House, White House isn't he? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I would probably rather City won it. This may be sacrilege to some people, but I don't consider them to be a real team. So that's uh, I think that's better than Liverpool win it. God, I just couldn't it'd be awful. <laughs> it's very convenient and it's very convenient to be able to just write off City and go, ah, it's financial doping, doesn't count anyway. But that means that technically Liverpool did win the league in whatever the season when they finished second to City was. Mm, no, no, <laughs> they could finish second, didn't they? Come on, come on. Yeah. Friend of the show, Chris Etchingham, 77, says, would you rather have United's issue at the minute or Real Madrid's? Whoosh. And did, um, uh, we, we talked about uh, Real Madrid last week and the manager potentially getting sacked. He got sacked like an hour after we recorded the show or something like that. They now have uh, Solari in charge, former player, the um, the B-team manager. Uh, they've got some problems, Real Madrid. I've, I know just the man to solve them for him as well. Yeah, it's Jose. Troubleshooter, uh, going to go in there, sort out the dressing room. There'll be no messing about. Especially, Antonio Conte. Especially now that Sergio Ramos has basically lost it. So you could you could just get um, you could just get Jose in charge. Be perfect, absolutely perfect. 
He needs to rebuild his reputation. Save United 20 million quid. Be a delightful situation. Uh, but the truth is, I think I'd rather have our issues than theirs because I think um, I think one of the things is that they don't have any money. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe they don't. We don't spend any money. Well, that's not quite true. No, is it? So, I, don't, I don't know. I, like, look, they, um, they there are obviously some um, financial challenges at Real Madrid because they have a significant amount of debt. Uh, and they uh, do want to do some rebuilding at uh, the Bernabeu, um, but they uh, still pull in piles and piles of revenue. You know, yeah, not not far behind United. Anyway, maybe maybe there's a player we could sell to them. Uh, there are rumours of Sanchez moving in January, says Tarek Amir, friend of the show, uh, friend of the site. Uh, it's all friends. All friends. Yeah, just yeah, friends. Grease grease us. And uh, you can be a friend too. Um, if that proves to be the case, who do you think will get to keep the piano? And on a serious note, do you think uh, Jose Mourinho is actually affecting anything positive or is the team effectively managing itself? That's two questions. That's cheating. Um, we keep the piano uh, yeah. or whoever the film rental company that we rented it off, uh, they get to keep the piano. I don't imagine anyone is going to buy Sanchez, at least not for any kind of money. And we effectively swapped him for a thirty million pound player, but he's on such a massive, massive wage. It rules him out of all but a th- about three clubs on the planet. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, if he wants to take that piano to Paris, that's uh, that's just fine. Neymar goes to Madrid. I mean, I've just said they've got no money, but assuming that's not true, Neymar goes Madrid. And they get they get in Alexis Sanchez to replace him in Paris. I'm sure he'd do brilliantly in uh, the French league. Be perfect for him. Um, what was the second question? Is Jose actually uh, affecting change? A great uh, question. Or, or is the team managing itself? See, my instinct is that my instinctual answer there is that the team is. This is about the team and the collective to an extent, but I also am very, very wary about confirmation bias in this in this regard because I've basically written off Jose Mourinho in my own head. So, I, but I don't know if that's uh, like I said last week. I've been thinking a lot about being wrong lately and how we're all wrong about stuff sometimes, mm. and you know you can get very attached to your own opinions about stuff. True. Uh, Notorious Dev says, is Paul still enjoy Twitter uh, via the bifurcated uh, minute by minute? <laughs> Uh, handle no. uh, bifurcated minute by minute handle says uh, he said to mind your own f-ing business <laughs> I mean I enjoy Twitter via them in the sense that occasionally I'll look at bifurcated underscore mbm the aka the greatest Twitter account on the internet but hmm. I have nothing to do with producing it I uh, of course it- talking of uh Twitter accounts you, you returned to Twitter briefly this yeah I, I reactivated my account because I had to do that Otherwise, I would lose it. And at, I, at which part, point all the bots I've hired to send you abuse piled in the abuse? I mean, I, I did get one genuine piece of abuse in the 20 minutes I was back on Twitter. And I was like, nice, oh, yeah, nice. What was the abuse? That, I don't really want to repeat it, but it was like, oh, yeah, this is this is why I hate this evil cesspit. And I did want to tweet, though, rather than just activate my account and deactivate it, just so I could publicly say that everything that Ed has said, me about, has said about me on this platform in the last year has been a lie. Yeah, but now I get about 364 days or three days or whatever it is to abuse you as much as I like and yeah. you can't defend yourself. Well, I don't need to. This is a rope-a-dope situation. I'm letting you punch yourself out. <laughs> uh, Kieran Coyle says, now we've got rid of Lukaku, how do we get rid of Matic and Smalling? <laughs> Um, I think I think patience is the key. I don't think we're, we're ever going to get rid of Chris Morling. Um, I think another manager is going to come in and be like, "Ah, eh, there's a player in there somewhere. Maybe I can get the best out of him and he'll end up with 500 United appearances. Congratulations, Chris, on your 300 United appearances. Every last one of them well-deserved. Um, and But Matic, I think we, we like, like we've been talking about on, on the show so far, I think he's he's next in line for a benching. Yeah, yeah. Patrick McGongle says, with the attacking talent up front, why do we always look so pedestrian and have no ideas when we go forward? Well, well, it wasn't quite the case in the second half. Uh, Example, Bournemouth's first goal, there were four of their their players in our six-yard box. That never happens at all with United. That's kind of true. I mean, they piled players in there, although they did have an overload on the right-hand side. 
and all our defenders were asleep. <laughs> I mean, it does tend to be... I mean, we had... At the end there, we had Pogba, Lingard, Martial, uh, Rashford all in the box together. Oh, we didn't even say, like, Pogba's ball for the Rashford goal, the little skill the, and then... The dink, it, yeah. The skill Beautiful. to get the space and then the dink. Just what a player. What a player. Everyone that doesn't rate Pogba can just go away, in my opinion. Sam Flint, at Flint here, underscore, underscore. I think it's cheating having two underscores. Anyway, which is faster, Matic turning once the ball has been knocked past him or the melting of the polar ice caps? Um, I'm like, unfortunately, because it means we're all going to die, it's the melting of the polar ice caps. Ah, uh, maybe we'll get some sun. I mean, we did, didn't we, this summer, but unfortunately, yeah. like, enjoy it while it lasts because... All, all those Southern European players will be moving to Manchester to get the <laughs> old weather, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Mika Latonen, uh, basically a friend of the show now because he uh, sends in a question every week. Uh, what is Mourinho's obsession with constantly tinkering with the few parts of the team that actually are working while ignoring constant problems like young and smalling? Yeah, I don't know whether tinkering with a forward line, which is what he tends to do a lot, whether it's actually working. I think he's tinkering because <laughs> it's not working. But even but when he does when it does start working, he does tend to mess Tinker. it up in one way or another. I'm not sure Ashley Young is a massive part of United's problem, though, in the moment. That's the one bit of that that I kind of disagree with. No, he's done all right. I mean, the option is Valencia, who's coming back from injury, posted on his Twitter account, Instagram account, one of them, videos of him training to strike fear into the heart of all Manchester (laughs) United fans anywhere. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I thought you were going to say opposition. (laughs) I really did. (laughs) And Diego, Diogo Dalot. Oh, I forgot anyway. about him. Yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah. He, he, he looked good, didn't he? But anyway, we're out of the Carling Cup, so there'll be no him. Born and Red says, why doesn't Ander Herrera play every game for United? It's a good question, isn't it? When he can put in performances like that and those that he did during uh, his first season under Mourinho, he would be a massive uh, addition to the side, surely. I mean, I, I'll never understand Ander Herrera's Man United career. I'll never understand what, what was going on, why why his managers have treated him the way they've treated him. Why? I mean, I guess it's because he's willing um, and so you can you can take more liberties with a player like that in a way. And he has put in some absolute stinkers, to be fair, as well. Um, and But, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have him in the side every week without question. Luis Figo, Zed... I can't remember how Luis Figo was actually. I think it was with the next, wasn't it? Yeah. It yeah. Was. Do you find the negative narrative from commentary uh, slash pundits tedious? Look, f- off, Luis. We'll say whatever we like, all right? <laughs> um, yeah, clearly we do not find it. I mean, uh, actually, you know what? I do find the obsession with the negative in football co commentary utterly baffling and frustrating. I would love to do a sociological study which kind of looks at the um, the percentage of remark which is passed in the negative rather than the positive in football coverage. Um, yeah, and, and I think Gary Neville has become more like that when then, you know, he was all about his analysis when he first joined Sky and now he, he has almost become a little bit of a parody of himself in order to feel like he's saying something of value. It's negative. And I think that's why a lot of the pundits do it. Honestly, I've got a raving needle with him. <laughs> <laughs> Jay McEwen, Esquire, has, says, best, most successful long con ever, Bernie Madoff or Chris Smalling? <laughs> 301 Monday United games. I mean, Bernie Madoff did make a lot of money, to be fair. But, so is Chris Smalling, to be fair. Yeah, Chris Smalling's less likely to end up in prison, isn't he? Yeah, true, although that man bun, I would say, is a crime fit for prison. <laughs> is that a man? That's not a man bun. It's, it's a bun of it's some kind. Long long cornrows, isn't it? It's like cornrows with little bits at the back. Uh, Landro says, who's the best player to replace Matic in defensive midfield? Uh, Mo underscore Tiller says, Conte. I think that's the right answer. <laughs> Honestly, if we got N'Golo Kante, I'd be the happiest, the happiest half Frenchman in the land. Seems unlikely, doesn't it? 
Um, and we'll leave with this one because I think this is a fair question. Anthony Whitaker says, why do Man United fans sing Jose Mourinho's name even though he is wank? Because, <laughs> you see, I mean, it's two great questions in one there, really. Uh, why do United fans continue to sing his name? Because United supporters do that. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, even David Moyes uh, got continuous support right to the end. Uh, and is Jose wank? Yeah, probably. Dave Sexton's red and white army. Dave Sexton's red and white army. Um, the yeah, United United fans. I, I'm pretty sure that Everton away, the the game before he was sacked was the last time David Moyes' name wasn't sung at a United game. All right, shall we move on from questions? We, there's a there's a there's another game after uh, after Juve. <sighs> after we've been battered by Juve, we get to get battered by City. Uh, I mean. We did not get battered by Chelsea, a game in which I was thoroughly expecting True. to get battered. Last season, I was completely convinced that City were going to beat us to win the league, and we beat them. So uh, my uh, rampant pessimism about this game is tempered by some realism um, and uh, the possibility that we might actually uh, put some stuff together and, and be able to... I mean, we can clearly cause City problems, can't we? Sure, yeah. Uh, if we have enough of the ball, and, and we won't have much of the ball, debt can definitely cause City problems. Uh, did so last season, and uh, I mean City have started the season very well. A couple of draws in there to spoil their excellent record, I suppose. But they are scoring freely. Uh, scored uh, quite a lot more than Liverpool, who always get the praise for being so attacking. Uh, have conceded what is that one two three goals at the time of speaking they they play Southampton on Sunday so I'm not and so I'm they've conceded, so three, conceded goals. three goals by the time you listen to this they play Shakhtar Donetsk uh, in midweek uh, at home I think yeah uh, one second let me get yeah that's right so yeah. um yeah not not gonna have to worry about a long trip to Ukraine uh, and not that uh, United's trip to Turin is a particularly long flight or anything, but, you know, it's definitely an advantage. So uh, all the cards in their favour, I'd say. Yeah, they are Maybe this means, all... mate, to, to, to use, um, to use uh, Bournemouth uh, players, uh, Steve Cook, he said uh, before the United game, he said, he used to, we used to feel like this was a free hit. Now there's some pressure because... Uh, we feel like we can actually have a go at them, you know, or we need to have a go at them um, because Bournemouth were playing well. Maybe, maybe this is a free hit for United. Oh, oh, how far and how quick we done fell. Well, to be fair, it's been five years in the making. <laughs> the um, the thing about last season's game is it was absolutely amazing. It was so fun. It was like easily the best bit about last season by miles but we were dreadful for 60 of the 90 minutes of that game <laughs> like absolutely dreadful and we were very 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 fortunate that um they didn't take further of a lack Gundogan chance um which he skewed just like above over and over and wide um, to make it 3-0. But but just generally that they didn't take fuller advantage of their chances and that we basically scored with every single chance we could have scored from. Um, it's going to probably take something like that again. I mean, the, the, the real problem with analysing this game on a Manchester United fan podcast is it's very difficult to say Man City are miles and miles and miles better than us at the moment. Um, so if we beat them, it will be because uh, we played above ourselves or got lucky. Yeah, uh, objectively, they are miles and miles better than United. Uh, but that doesn't mean that United haven't got very good players and can pull out performance. Do you think we'll get a, a Jose tactical masterclass? Anything weird going to come up? He doesn't seem to do that against Guardiola, really. Um, they sort of they sort of tacticed each other a bit. In that first game, you know the one where um, Daily Blint left Kevin De Bruyne alone, saying, "Now don't do anything, don't do anything dangerous. I'll be back in half an hour to find you." Um, and then De Bruyne scored. Um, but there was a lot of sort of substitutions and punches and counter punches in that game. Um, but since then, it's all been it's all been quite prosaic, really. And nobody's nobody's mm. played a fullback in central midfield or anything. No. I mean, of course, Liverpool have, have kind of shown the pattern. You beat City by 
relentlessly pressing them and and giving them no time on the ball to weave their pretty patterns. United never relentlessly press anybody. No, ever. you you probably need to spend every waking hour practicing to become the sort of team that does that in order to be able to do it to City, don't you? Because because you can't just you can't press City like headless chickens, otherwise they'll slice you into pieces. They they love being badly pressed. It, it's being really kind of elegantly and effectively pressed that's difficult for them. Yeah, true. So how do you think this game will play out? What's the pattern? I mean, the norm, the kind of the expected outcome, the expected normal pattern of events will be loads of possession for City. United try and keep their shape but aren't able to and go a goal or two down and then come out punching. Like that's that's what I would I would say is probably the most likely pattern of play to happen. Obviously, City will have tons and tons of possession. I it's interesting. I guess the Juve game will show us a lot about what, what Mourinho's team selection will be in this game. But one thing you'd want is you'd want Jesse Lingard in there. I would want Juan Mata in there. I would. What I'd love to see would be like a front three of Martial, Lingard and Mata. <laughs> but that's obviously not going to happen. Or maybe even a 4-2-3-1. Um, Just throw them all in there. Yeah. I mean, Lukaku, Rashford up front, Martial... Uh, and uh, Sanchez on the wings, Matter just behind them at number 10. <laughs> well, Jesse in midfield, in with, midfield Pogba. with Pogba. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, there's probably worse ideas than that for trying to get a win. Although, you know, I, I mean, City will put immense pressure on our back four and our back four will probably crack and maybe Dave will save everything or maybe someone will, will hit the ball into an area that he literally can't and... And that'll be it. I mean, I, I don't know how, other than the kind of like, oh, we've done it a lot recently where we've we've been expected to be terrible and haven't. I can't really see any reasonable, any reasonable reason to believe that this is going to be anything other than what we think it is. All right. Well, on that uh, lovely note, is there anything else to talk about this week? Um, Rio Ferdinand's getting married again. He is. Which oh, is I didn't. I didn't know he was courting anybody. I uh, see. That's. Uh, I did because of Instagram. He's. Yeah, they've been courting courting for a while, and he's he's getting married, and I think that's that's obviously very nice for him because he's been through some very difficult stuff. He um, has. He has. Uh, uh, he he has a reputation for uh, repeatedly courting. Outside of his main courting, I hope he uh, doesn't do that this time. No, you, if you're listening, Rio, be a good boy. I think he's maybe grown up quite considerably, Rio yes. Ferdinand. I think yes. it's probably fair to say. Oh, uh, we didn't talk about the Leicester thing at all last week. Um, we I- didn't. It's mainly because I have absolutely no idea how to pronounce the uh, now former owner's name. But uh, that was uh, brutal, wasn't it? The uh, just- helicopter coming down just yards from the stadium and uh, five people dying. Just absolutely awful. The, the pilot is weirdly a friend of a friend of my mum's, and it, it was it was just such a terrible thing that happened. Such a terrible thing for football, and we talk so much about bad football ownership. And one of the things that gets kind of linked to bad football ownership is the word foreign. And like a foreign owner means like has this really loaded connotation. Whereas actually, you know, if you compare Mike Ashley to the the man who passed away in the in the helicopter crash. That there's no comparison in terms. What was his name? Uh, I'm afraid that I have not learnt to pronounce it either. I probably should have done if I'd thought about that we were going to speak about this. I just didn't want to get to the end of the show without just saying, you know, this is a person who obviously there is a tendency when people die that um, people don't want to speak ill of the dead and you know all these kinds of things and sometimes things get a bit aggrandized, but. But every single thing coming out of every single person involved with the club, Kasper Schmeichel's kind of really poignant and moving tribute and Mm -hmm. just this kind of like obvious sense that this person was extremely invested in Leicester as a city as well as the club, Um, a a real proper loss for the world of football. Um, And, you know, there's, there's really been... A, a kind of football-wide outpouring of grief over yeah, this. Yeah, right. Leicester won today, beat Cardiff, uh, right. Demare Gray's goal, um, and it, you know, it was pretty emotional, I'd yeah. say, that game. And then uh, the Leicester players are 
heading out to Thailand. There's a week of funerals for Kun Vichai. I'm going to just give him his nickname. Um, uh, uh, he's basically been given a state funeral by the uh, the Thai king. So, you know, held in, in, uh, standing in Thailand as well. Um, and, uh, well, it'll be um, extremely interesting time. Well, that's the wrong word, isn't it? You know, uh, extremely difficult time for Leicester as a club now, you know, having... Lost the owner, how does that impact players, management, and and what kind of management do they get coming in now? Yeah. And um, just from the United fan perspective, uh, certain ex-Man United fanzines don't speak for United fans and are so edgy. It's pathetic. Yeah. But Grown men. Grown that joke was men. pretty obvious, and uh, we got that joke several times last week in the uh, podcast question, so, you know, yeah. which I ignored. Yeah, grown men. Um, the uh... don't don't you yeah, like you know? I, I I clearly I have grown up because I, I didn't make that joke myself. <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time, I may have done. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's just the it's just the relentless lack of humanity does my head in. Um, so let's try and be human. <laughs> let's try and be human. Um, there's going to be a lack of uh, joy. I think it's probably fair to say. Uh, basically, I think we are. We've got two free hits coming up. This plucky Man United, plucky mid-table Man United on their amazing adventure in the Champions League, which no one could have seen coming. Um, get a trip to Turin. Oh, the players will. The players will really just appreciate the day out. Um, and then they get to go and play like Pep Guardiola's amazing amazing side and see what good football looks up like close up what a week for united's excitable youngsters hmm uh, what the how, score's uh, for, how, how far are we done fell I, I would like to get back to the time when uh, this is uh, not a free hit and uh, we are genuine contenders uh, but the, what do i think the score's going to be i think we're going to lose two nil in turin and um three one at city i think we're going to beat um Juventus 3-2 <laughs> with goals from York, Cole and Keane. Um, and I think we are going to uh, beat City uh, 1-0 with a late winner from Paul Scholes. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. That's good, good, good choices, yeah. Welcome to Rankcaster minus 47. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. No, we covered that game where Skull scored the late winner and Gary Neville kissed him. That's True. how long we've been doing this show. We've been doing this crap for years and you still listen. <laughs> Thank you very much to for everyone for listening. Um, and- Leave us a review in iTunes because uh, that... Uh, helps other mugs find us too brilliant thank you and talking of mugs patreon.com slash rankcast if you want one Good all one. right take care take care of yourselves and we'll see you next week all right bye now thank you for listening to another episode of the rankcast which was as always brought to you by the good people who choose to back us at patreon.com slash rankcast and if you want to do that back us at five dollars a month plus vat you get a little bit of extra content uh, each week um and this week we talked about players who've played for both manchester united and juventus uh, a player that um pogba knows very well from both clubs and country uh an absolute legend of both the game and Manchester United. One Patrice Evra, Uncle Pat, Tonton Pat, um, whose arrival at Juve um, added a dimension to Pogba's game, I think both on and off the pitch, because, you know, you can see from the infamous social media that um, that Patrice Ever and Paul Pogba were very, very good friends and that there was a genuine sort of mentor-mentee relationship between the two of them. And uh, and on the pitch, you know, Ever played left wing back and Pogba played on the left and midfield yeah, yeah. at one of the both, but the best periods of either of their careers. I mean, definitely the right thing for Ever to move to Serie A. Like, definitely was he was able to impact the games and his weaknesses were better hidden, I think. I think that's that fair, yeah. I mean, he played... Uh, two very good seasons at Juve and then less in his third season, 80 games in total. Of course, uh, played 379 games for United. There's a, I think there's a fair debate about whether him or, or Dennis Irwin was the best of the sort of modern era Manchester United left-backs. Uh, and of course, the worrying thing is if uh, Chris Smalling stays till the end of next season, he'll probably beat that number. 
<laughs> yes, he certainly will. I mean, how many good seasons did Patrice ever have at Man United? Well, his last two weren't great, were they? I mean, he's, he's played a decent amount of games, but I would say the defensive lapses became quite frequent. Um, yeah. Between, what, 2007 and 2010, he was he was probably the best left back on the planet. I mean, a few yeah. other options, you know, of course, but, you know, great. Um, so, he's, you know, I think he's had five very good seasons at United, three of them outstanding, uh, a couple not quite as good and his first one was only half a season and then and then I think there was a bit of a renaissance as well I think in 12-13 he had that like goal scoring flurry Mm -hmm. where he kept scoring off every corner and so there was definitely a dip and then a bit of a recovery he he got seven goals in his last two seasons for United he got three in his previous six (laughs) that um that goal against Bayern Munich and and the quotes afterwards that he'd kind of prayed and said, I don't want to pray to win the game or anything, but I just want to do something special for the Busby Babes. And then he scored that goal. Like that's 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 really moving stuff. And it, you know, um, before the Juventus game, uh, there was a, a United post on Instagram. I guess it must have been on all the other socials too. Um, where he was like saying, oh, you know, I really like both teams. And of course, either way, whoever wins, I'll be happy. Or even if it's a draw, I'll be happy. And it goes on for like in that way for some some while. And then he goes, but kind of looks either way and looks at the camera and goes, but come on, United! <laughs> so like, you could see where his sympathies lie in between those two teams. A player who I suspect would probably be rooting for Juventus rather than Manchester United is the next one on the list. Um uh, Bizarre best friend of Patrice Evra in the, in the world's best ever three-way bromance. Um, most confusing friendship. Uh, Carlos Tevez, who was the third wheel to Jisung Park and Patrice Evra. But uh, a welcome third wheel. that They formed together a tricycle. <laughs> 